1987, a commercial came out. Uh, many of you probably weren't around for that or remember that. One of the most famous public service announcements of all time had a teenage son sitting in his bedroom. The dad breaks in with a box in his hand, and he leans over his son and vehemently asks him, where did you get this stuff? Where did you learn to do this? And the box is some unnamed illegal substance. And the paraphernalia with which the kid was using the substance, so the dad's angry, is looking at his son saying, how did you learn this? Where did you learn this from? And if you've never seen the PSA, you've probably heard the son's response, which was he sits there, he's kind of cowering, he gets up his courage, and he says, I learned it from you, dad. I learned it watching you. How many of you have heard or seen that PSA? I don't know if it made anyone not do drugs, but it made a whole lot of parents think, maybe I should take Jesus's words to heart and not judge my children. Jesus says that, right? Do not judge that you be not judged. If this dad in the PSA had simply read the Bible a little more, he would have known. He could have avoided all of that internal angst that his son gave him by simply not breaking in his room and judging him. And yet we hear that and go, That doesn't seem like what Jesus said, but he said it in black and white. You can turn to Matthew chapter seven. He says it right there. Do not judge. And our culture has adopted that motto. In fact, that's been a motto, not just in modern times in America, but throughout history, this idea of what right have you to judge me? But it's used quite often from the words of Jesus into our culture as a way to say, you have no business telling me what to do, getting in my life, leave me alone. Don't judge me and I won't judge you. But when we hear that in that context, if the dad would have just read the Bible a little closer, he could have avoided this confrontation with his son and the embarrassment that it caused. That doesn't feel right, does it? That leads us into our message today. If you have your Bibles, again, Matthew chapter 7, we're going to be looking at the first several verses in this passage dealing with this issue of judge not that you be not judged. Because none of us likes judgment, right? If you're in online classes right now, you just finished midterms. You just submitted something that some professor Maybe Travis Montgomery, are you teaching any classes right now, Travis? Are you judging anyone, nobody? Not online, but in person, so they see your face when you judge them. (laughs) And as students, we know we don't like that, right? Unless you're an A-plus student, then you love it. You turn in your research paper, and you just wait for the gushing praise to come back to you. It's like, boy, Jeremiah, you're such a great student. Reading this has changed my life. It's so amazing. And we look forward to that judgment. It's a judgment. We like it. We like commendation. If, though, you're getting some of Dr. Branch's, you know, harsh critiques, you're like, man, I'm not as happy about that. I don't like being judged. It's best, look, Dr. Branch, judge not lest you be judged. You just want to use that, right? Jesus says it, just quote him, Matthew 7, 1, at the bottom of your research paper, and you'll be fine. We love commendation, not condemnation. If you have that job review coming up and you've done well, you're excited. You know, they're going to tell me I'm great. They're going to tell me how much more money I'm making next year. Everything's wonderful. If you slacked off this year, you're like, I don't want to hear how bad I did. Let's just Matthew 7, 1 that thing and we'll be okay. Jesus, let's just use that when we meet with our supervisor here around the seminary. Matthew 7, 1 it. But if that's all he said, we would be shocked. We think that's not right. But he says some more. He does give us in the next verse A way to understand this. He says, for with the measure, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, 
it will be measured to you. So he says, here's why you shouldn't judge someone, because the level you judge them is the level it's going to come back to you. Now, I imagine some of the professors here have given you an assignment, and in that assignment, you have a peer review. Dr. Bechtolt loves these. He likes students to kind of review each other's work. If you've ever had to do a peer review where you're reviewing your own classmate, maybe some of the classmates got together and said something like this, look, if you take it easy on me, I'll take it really easy on you. And so the measure that I judge you will be the measure you judge me and we'll all be wonderful. And that peer review comes back and it's glowing. You think, ah, we've, we've embraced Jesus's words, you know? I, if I have to judge you, I was told I had to by Dr. Bechtold, so then I'm gonna judge you with a measure that I would like placed on myself. And yet Jesus isn't, isn't speaking about that here. He said, look, judge not that you be not judged for with the judgment you pronounce, it will be judged with you. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is, uh, in a way, we can see this played out regularly. I am somewhat of a, a, a political junkie. I like keeping up with all the politics going on and all of the scenes. And all you have to do to see how this plays out in real life, in a way Jesus didn't intend, because he said, don't judge, because the way you judge is how you're going to be judged. It's just turn on CNN, turn on Fox News, Determine who the president is, and then you can see the people on either channel changing their opinions about what's bad, what's good, what should be condemned, what shouldn't be condemned. So they have one standard several years ago about what should be acceptable and what's not. President changes, and both networks flip their tune, right? So they want to judge with a certain measure, but don't judge me with that same measure. And so Jesus says, just judge not, don't judge each other because the way you judge is the way you're going to be judged. I'll take it easy on you. You take it easy on me. And we'll all get along just fine. If that's all he had said, if that's where he had ended this passage, we could go on about our business and try to just avoid each other. Say, you live your life. I'll live my life. That'll be fine. Now, I think that would lead to a fairly chaotic world. If that's how we went about our day, if that's how we work. In fact, in your peer reviews... If you're doing a poor job of judging your classmate's work, eventually that work shows up at Dr. Bechtolt's desk. And he was hoping that you would strengthen each other's work instead of weaken it by your judgment. And then when he looks at it, he says, ooh, this is nowhere near up to the standard I've set because you have lowered your measurement so much. And so Jesus continues. He doesn't just leave us in this place where we said, Let's just all set our own low standards and get about our business. We know that would create this chaotic, crazy world we would live in. He doesn't leave it there with just verses 1 and 2 of chapter 7. He goes to, to verse 3 says this, do, How do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? And so he begins to kind of expand on what this means. And, and here's the first clue, I think, if we're reading in context, and this is something as you're sitting in classes and hermeneutics courses and others, figuring out what a passage means in context becomes extremely critical. And this is our first clue in this context that the opening line, don't judge so that you won't be judged, isn't what Jesus actually means, kind of point blank, stop, we're done. He's doing something else. And he says this, how do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. And it starts with this idea of a speck in your brother's eye. How many of you at any time in your life have had something in your eye 
a little piece of dirt, maybe a little piece of sawdust that was irritating you. Just raise your hand. We'll take a quick poll. So most of you, if you haven't, I encourage you, take, you know, take a chance to get that done so you can figure out how this illustration works. But we get something in our eye, and we know it's not a good thing, right? It's irritating. It's, it's distracting. It hurts. If it's left there long enough, it can become infected. It can create this much more difficult problem. So Jesus says, how do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? He recognizes that the speck's a bad thing. He's recognizing that what's in your brother's eye, what's in your sister's eye, is something that shouldn't be there, something that should be removed, that it needs to be fixed. I've, I've lived in Kansas City for about 12 years now, and periodically we get hailstorms that come through. Now, if you own a home and you've been in Kansas City for any length of time, and a hailstorm came through your neighborhood, you know what you see the day after the hailstorm, right? All these vans driving around your neighborhood. And on the side, it says like A1 roof repair, you know, Billy's roof inspection. And then they're coming up to your door, ringing your doorbell saying, hey, there's been a hailstorm. I can fly a drone over your house and see all the damage, all the, all the damage that's been done to it by this hailstorm. They're coming out to inspect your roof to see all the damage that's there. I think in, in our Christian experience, uh, a lot of us are, are like that in a way that we're quickly seeing specks and eyes. Our truck would look a little different though. We, we would have a truck that pulls up and on the outside is a picture of a guy with kind of a judgmental face. And as Jesus says here, this big beam coming out of his eyes, but the name of the company would be Log-Eyed Speck Inspection and Removal. My job is to drive around, maybe over here in Great Commission Court, maybe in Dr. Millsap's neighborhood, and just find all the problems that people have. I need to point them out to you. I need to let you know. I'm going to ring on your doorbell and let you know, here's all the damage I've seen. Here's all the specks that I've seen in your life. They're bad things. The damage on my roof needs to be fixed. But I'm just showing up, telling you everything wrong in your life, Dr. Branch. I'm just here to tell you, you've got specks in your eyes. I see them. I see that speck, Dr. Chipman. It's really small. It's tiny. You're a great guy. But I see that speck. Let me point it out to you. We know people that do that, right? And Jesus speaks to that person. How can I see the speck that is in my brother's eye? How can I drive my van around with my log-eyed speck inspection and removal sticker, trying to do business, when he says, and not notice the log that is in your own eye? If you want to see what this looks like, just go on Twitter any time of the day or night and go on Christian Twitter and watch us call each other specks out Watch us challenge each other's problems. And Jesus says, how can you do that when you have this log in your own eye? And in the original language, this idea of log is like a crossbeam. So it's not like a tiny thing. It's this massive. Jesus' hyperbole here is meant to be comedic. You have this tiny speck in someone else's eye, and you have basically a tree growing out of your own eye. He says, how can you do that? Now, I think there's a way we can convince ourselves that we can do that. There is a way that we can go around looking at specks in other people's eyes, not noticing the log in our own. And one, we, one way we can do that is that we are simply looking for specks everywhere we go. We're so self-righteous. It's like the Pharisee and the publican in the prayer in Luke's gospel, where Jesus talks to them. The Pharisee went to the temple and was praying, and his, his prayer is basically this, God, I'm so glad I'm not that scoundrel over there, that worthless sinner. I'm so glad that I'm righteous and that I'm following you, and I'm faithful to you. 
that I'm nothing like him. And then the sinner was over there at a distance, and he says, I have no right to be here. I, I, I am sinful. I'm horrible. Please forgive me. One is self-justifying. One is God-justified at the end of that. And we can miss the fact that there's a log in our own eye because we're so busy looking at everyone else's specks and theirs. It could be also in my life, in your life, that the log that's in our eye has been there so long that we just have a blind spot about it. We, we've looked around it long enough that we don't even know it's there. We don't see that it exists. We're not noticing it. It's like that stain on the ceiling of your house that you no longer see, but as soon as a visitor comes over, they go, oh my gosh, you got like a massive leak and you're saying, well, I don't, I did, but I didn't fix it, so don't worry about that. Don't, don't look at the stain in the ceiling. This log that's in your eye, you're not noticing at all because you've worked around the blind spot long enough. Or, or maybe you're like me, and it's not just that you don't notice it, it's that maybe you've turned the log in your eye into a virtue, right? You think you're confident when everyone else knows you're just a jerk. You think, I'm not an angry guy, I'm just passionate. And you've turned all of the logs in your eyes into virtues because you simply can't see them for what they are. And Jesus just asked, if you're going to be a log-eyed speck inspection and removal person, how can you do that if you cannot see that there is a log in your own eye? I mean, imagine that. Someone coming to work on your eye. I hate eye drops. I hate anything to do with eyes. I don't know. Some of you may like them. You may be addicted to putting the eye drops in. I hate them. I've always hated them. The idea of anything going near my eye freaks me out. Anyone who has to have LASIK surgery, I'm just avoiding that. I'll pray for you at a distance. But this idea of someone touching your eye makes you nervous, right? And, and if someone's going to do that, you want to have a deep trust in them. I think the last person that got something out of my eye, like they did it, was my mom. When I was really young, she's like, I trust you, mom. Not really, but I do, so I'm going to hold your hand. The idea of someone touching your eye makes you nervous, even the person you trust the most. But now imagine someone coming at you who's going to get something out of your eye, and you're pretty convinced this person can't see anything. This person it has a much bigger eye problem than I do, and they're coming at me, fixing me, trying to solve the problem that's in my own eye. We would recoil from that. We'd go, I don't think I need your help. I don't think I want your help. I'm not going to trust you to do what it is you think you want to do, because I don't think you can see the speck that is in my eye. And Jesus is challenging us to say, can we see that speck? Or are we simply log-eyed spec inspectors and removers who are not going to do a good job? And then he says these words in verse 5, you hypocrite. And if he ended there, we would be back to the opening of the message, right? He said, look, don't judge people because you're going to be judged. And the, the, the level you judge them is the level you're going to be judged. So don't judge people. He says, how can you see a speck that's in someone's eye when you have a log in your own eye? You're a hypocrite. Stop it. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't judge people. But there's not a period there, right? If you look in your, your translation, it's not a period. It's a comma, which means Jesus has more to say. Now, he calls these people who are looking at specks in eyes when they have logs in, in their eyes a hypocrite, which in the Gospel of Matthew is reserved for the Pharisees. 
is reserved for his opponents. Constantly, he calls them hypocrites. These play actors who are saying one thing but doing another. Go read Matthew 23, where Jesus has seven woes for the Pharisees, and he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. It is a massive word of condemnation. But here in Matthew 7, you know who Jesus is talking to? He's gathered his disciples around him. He's talking to them, so he's not attacking the Pharisees directly. He's talking to his own people. And he says to them, if this is how you're going to be, a log-eyed speck inspector, then you are a hypocrite. And this is where I think we begin to see in this next part of verse 5 where Jesus wants to take us with this statement about do not judge that you be not judged. Look what he says. First, first, which gives us the idea that there's a second that there's more that's going to happen. He says, first, take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly. So take the log out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly. If that's all we read in this passage, here's what we could think. Okay, I shouldn't judge. I, I got logs in my eye. I'm seeing the speck in Dr. Matson's eye, but I'm not going to do that. I need to take the log out of my eye. And really what the speck in Dr. Matson's eye was there for was for me to see that I had a log. And so I can get the log out of my eye and then thank him for all of his problems, his messed upness, the, the fact that his life isn't in order. I'm so glad you have all these problems, Dr. Matson. I was able to see my own problems. I fixed those. I can see clearly now. I hope you fix yours. I hope that goes well for you. I'm going to leave you alone, though, because I don't want to judge you, but I was sure glad you had a lot of problems. I'm sure glad you had all of the things in your life that were wrong. I saw that gluttony, and I'm trying to avoid it. I saw that lust, and I'm trying to avoid it. I saw all the things in your life that were horrible, and I was able to benefit from them. I just watched your example, and I learned, don't do that, and then I can go off and have a better life. But see, Jesus said, first, take the log out of your eye. Then you can see clearly not just for myself, not just so that I can see clearly. He says that I can do that so that I can take the speck out of your brother's eye. He says, first, take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And I think this is where we get to the heart of what Jesus is trying to say in this passage that is so misinterpreted often in our culture where it says, judge not that you be not judged, full stop, period, we're done. He's not saying that. He's trying to teach us how to judge. And he says, we are to take the log out of our eye so that I can then see the speck in your eye. The reason I am seeking to clean up the things in my life is not so that I can just have the best life possible. In fact, in this passage, it's not even about me. Me cleaning up my act is not about me. The Christian life is not about me. It's not about my self-interest. It's not about how I can be satisfied. The Christian life is driven by the two greatest commandments, love God and love others. And Jesus here says, the reason I want to take the log out of my eye, whatever your log is that's in your eye, that thing that you're not even aware of maybe, that you haven't dealt with in your life, the reason Jesus says we are to take that out of our eye is so one, we can love God more, but two, here that we can love others. I have to remove my log so I can see Dr. Chipman's speck. And not just to see it, but to take it out of his eye. 
I have to have a clear vision in order to see someone else's problems and then help them with theirs. It's not about me just getting better. It's not a self-help passage that says, if you do these things, you'll be better off. It's an other help passage where I am seeking to say, how can I follow Christ more fully? How can I invest more in, in, in what the Spirit is doing in my life? How can I come alongside God more and more so that I can help others? who are struggling, who have these specks in their eye that make it difficult for them to see, that makes it hard for them to know what to do. Jesus says this, seek first the kingdom and all these things, all the things in our life that we worry about, we think about, will be added to you. We will not find our own fulfillment, our own happiness by seeking our own fulfillment and happiness. Jesus says we find it when we seek him and then seek others and care for others, love God and love others. You see, Jesus's judge not is not a blanket statement to not judge. Instead, it is a teaching on how to judge, how to get ourselves in a position so that we can honestly and in love help each other. I learned it from you. Many of you here, myself included, have been taught to judge others in ways that are unhealthy, in ways that are vicious and vindictive. You've been judged that way. You've had people judge you that way. And in turn, we turn around and judge the same way. Someone lashed out at you on your social media post, so what did you do? Right back at you. You wanna judge me? I can judge you too. And that judgment came from a place not of love, but of jealousy or bitterness or hate. And when we learn to judge that way, we perpetuate the type of judgment that chases people away, that turns people away. I learned it from you. But what if we were to learn how to judge the way Jesus judged? What if we could learn from him how judgment works? Because he doesn't live a life where he doesn't judge anyone. It's a story in John 8 of the adulterous woman, textually questionable in, in many ways, but there it is in John 8. And these Pharisees bring this woman before Jesus, throw her on the ground and say, we caught this woman in adultery and the law says she should be stoned. Now they didn't bring the guy who was also part of that. So they've already done one thing wrong that the law doesn't say. So the law says she should be stoned. What do you say, Jesus? And you know the story says he stooped down, he wrote on the ground. We don't know what he wrote as an aside. If anyone says they do know what he wrote, if they make a sermon about what he wrote, just quit listening. When the Bible's silent on something, let it be silent. We don't know what he wrote, but we know he said this, let you without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, these men who were ready to kill this woman dropped their rocks and walked away. And Jesus looked at this woman and said, where are your accusers? They're not here. And Jesus said, go and sin no more. He did not say, well, go back to whatever you were doing. Have at it. It's, it's okay. Whatever you want to do is fine. He didn't say, he said, go and sin no more. He said, the thing you were doing was bad, was destructive for you. Don't do that anymore. Don't live that way anymore. Go and sin no more. See, he judged her actions, but he came to her from a position of love and caring for her, whereas these men who came to judge were there just to destroy her. 
And if your judgment is there to destroy someone, you are not judging the way Jesus judges. You need to learn how he judges. And to do that, I think we need to do a few things. One is look in the mirror at your own eyes before you look into the eyes of someone else. That hard look to say, what is it in my own eyes that I can see before I go look in other people's eyes? Judge myself, this dad who busted into his son's room wanting to know, where did you learn to do these drugs? If his dad had just been honest enough to go, yep, I have the same problem. I have the same log, speck in my eye that my son has. And instead of coming in to judge his son without recognizing his own problem, if he would have said, son, I struggle with this. Maybe I struggled in the past. Maybe I'm struggling now. I need to stop. We need to stop. That's a position of love, recognizing our own fallenness. And from that position, working to help someone else who's in that struggle, recognizing the log that's in our own eyes. We're imperfect people here. We're all sinners saved by grace, but the church can be a vicious place at times for sinners saved by grace, right? Because as soon as you admit, I've struggled with sin, I'm wrestling with something, there are a lot of log-eyed speck inspectors waiting to take you down, waiting to destroy you. Many of you have experienced that. Jesus condemns that type of judgment. But there will also be people who learned how to judge as Jesus judged. They've recognized their own weaknesses. They've seen the logs in their own eyes and they've worked to remove them. They've looked in the mirror first at themselves before they went to look at someone else and their approach in judgment is very different. It's an approach from love, not from condemnation. So let us look in the mirror at our own eyes. Let us confront our own sins, our own messed upness in life. And then in love, we can reach out to others and deal with what's going on in theirs. Second, Love your neighbor enough to remove the log from your own eye so that you can help them with the speck in theirs. It's hard to get rid of the things in our life that are sinful, that we've clung to, that we've built protection around and maybe become a blind spot to. But love others enough to say, I need to work on myself so that I can also help you. I can help you take the speck out of your eyes. You see, Christianity is a team sport. It's not an individual activity. If you think I'm going to go through the Christian life and simply do it on my own, you will never reach what God has for you. We need each other. I need people in my life who are telling me the things in my life that aren't good. They need to see the specks in my eyes. And even if I know there's a speck there, right? You have that piece of dirt and you feel it and it's bugging you and you simply can't get it out. Every time you try to look at it, you can't see it. Your eyes are watering too much. You need someone else to come along and take that speck out and they need you to do the same thing. They need to to approach them in a position of trust and love and humility And vulnerability says, trust me as I work in your life. I'm not here to harm you, but to do you good, even if it hurts a little bit while I get this speck out of your eye. Even if it hurts while I do this, it's for your good. And we need to be in deep community with each other. It's why it's so important, students, as you come here, if you're new and you haven't planted in a church yet, do that as quick as you can. Plant yourself in a community that can hold you accountable, that you can help others see the specks in their eyes and you can have them see the specks in your own. And if we could stretch Jesus' analogy out, they'll see the logs also. We all see each other's 
big eye logs very easily. We get very sensitive, though, when someone tries to tell us about it, and that's the third point. Be willing to let someone remove the speck from your eye. I like being on the side of telling someone, hey, this thing's wrong in your life, let me help you fix it. I don't like being on the side of, you have a problem with your eye, there's a thing in there, let me fix that. It takes humility to receive that help from someone, right? It takes a willingness to trust them. We need to be willing to help others get the specks out of their eyes, but you need to also be open to having someone take the speck out of your own eye and building that deep trust and community that Christ talks about. So when he goes back to verse one, it says, judge not that you be not judged. He's speaking of a certain type of judgment, a judgment that comes from hatred or from indifference, from vindictiveness, a self-righteous judgment that has no concern for the person being judged. In church, we've been guilty of this repeatedly throughout history of judging those outside the church, not with love, simply with a dismissive attitude. You're a sinner. If you would go away, the world would be a better place. And Jesus says we can't judge like that. We have to judge from a position of love and be willing to let others help us. And I think this very last verse in this passage, verse 6, which is really difficult to interpret. A lot of people have different opinions. It says this, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. I think, and I could be persuaded differently here, so I'm always open for correction, but I think in the context of this judgment passage, there is a place where maybe you've been trying to help someone and remove a speck from their eye, but every time you get close with the Q-tip to work on it, they just slap your hand away. They slap your hand away. They want nothing to do with you. They, you know, my mom would come to, to get something out of my eye, and I'd be like, nope, nope, nope. And I'd grab her hand, and I'd move it around. And anything like that, I just wouldn't let them do it. I wouldn't let them do it. I wouldn't let them do it. And there's a place where you go, okay, I'm not going to come bug you about this anymore. I'm not going to keep bringing this up every day, every day, every day. I'm not giving up on you, but I'm also not going to continually seek to remove this speck from your eye if you're not willing to let me work on that with you. And I think here in two ways. One, as we seek to remove specks from people's eyes, be aware of that. There will be people in your life that you love deeply, you care for deeply, and you go, I want to help you, and they are not going to be open to that help. And Jesus says, be careful throwing your pearls before swine, that they'll just trample on them. But I think there's also a warning here for us. If we're thinking, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to keep just trying to help when they don't want to help. Maybe you're the one that needs help and you keep slapping hands away. Maybe you're the dog. Maybe you're the swine. And someone in your life is trying to help you. They're trying to show you the speck in your eye and you simply won't let them. Don't be that way. Don't be verse six of this passage. Let those pearls that are cast before you of judgment and love Find their mark and let us remove the specks from our eyes. And let us, as a body of Christ, spread out across Kansas City, let us judge in such a way that we can say, I learned it from you, Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you came into the world that we have messed up to save us, Father, that you remove the sin from our life and that it cost your son's life to do so. And Father, I pray for myself and 
for all of those in this room who are training for ministry to serve you, who are already doing that, that as we interact with those you've given us the privilege to serve, Father, that we would judge in grace and mercy in love. Father, that as we remove specks from each other's eyes, we would know that it is done in love and is done to bring healing and restoration. Father, may we never be log-eyed speck inspectors who simply judge people to dismiss them, to make ourselves feel better. Father, but let us be burdened by the love you have for us that your spirit gives us for others to judge them as your son has judged us. It's in his name we pray, amen.